Right to be read podcast, episode number 124. Interview with Emmanuel Wolf. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Annie Alexander, and today we have yet another interview. And I'm uh, really happy to have a new angle and new aspect we will be discussing in this interview. But before we start that, I would like to remind you that you can get my brand new free guide that I have created for you at www.annealexander.com backward slash mindset and by getting this free guide you will find the five steps to build your writing confidence and get over the mental blocks that get into the way to publishing your first book so just check it out at www.annealexander.com backward slash mindset as to today's interview it's slightly different because With my guest today, we will be discussing writer's block, finding your writing voice, how to become your ultimate self, personal change, and what writing a memoir can actually do to your life. So let's start the interview and I truly hope that you will enjoy it. So hello everyone, today I'm uh, talking to, how do I call you, Emmanuel or Manny? <laughs> That's uh, a good question. Start with Emmanuel, but then switch right to Manny. <laughs> okay, so Emmanuel Wolf, who is teaching people how to become their ultimate self. And I, I, I think that's what everyone needs. And, uh, you know, writers and non-writers, basically everyone. And he's also the host of the podcast called The Steep Side of the Mountain, Lessons from the Un Un Unmentored. <laughs> live <laughs> okay so uh well welcome to the right to be read and I'm, i'm really happy to have you over nice to meet you nice to meet you too and it's been a long time coming you are actually coaching people to become their ultimate self and how did you come up with this idea and you know uh, were you doing this all the time or you did something else before that tell us your story okay well So the story of how I got into um, the sort of specific niche within coaching that I focus on was looking around, you know, assessing the sort of landscape of personal improvement, self-help, what kind of coaching was out there. And the thing that I saw that I had such a hard time with, even going through a, a coaching certification program, which I will not name here because I was not all that happy with them. Um, was that the focus to me was too superficial. The focus of the coaching was more like what I might call um, a spot focus. You know, oh, you're having a, a problem right now with your relationship. Well, let's look right at that. Let's look at your relationship. You're having a problem with uh, money right now. Let's look right at what you're doing Uh, in your job. And I thought those things were a little too superficial. I'd always felt that way. Um, in my own life, I have been through so many challenges that the only place that it ever made sense for me to look was as deep down in the root as I possibly could. 
And that's why I call it uh, how to become your ultimate self or uh, your optimal self, actually. And um, the, the idea there is that if we can go into the deeper parts of our psychology and figure out what it is within us that is sort of steering us towards the problems we're having, that that would that would facilitate more long-term um, success, freedom, and uh, sort of liberation from problems than dealing with problems one at a time. Okay, I see. So let's, in that case, um, talk about like the most common problems that people come to you with. I mean, what are like the biggest, most popular, let's say, things that you come across <laughs> with? <laughs> well, that's a great question. And Typically, what I find is that the quest the questions people come with are not directly obviously um, connected with the what wind up being the problems. So it's funny because the, the when people come to me, what they what they want to do is fix. Well, why is my job frustrating? Why is my relationship frustrating? You know exactly what I was just saying and. Um, <clears throat> so there's sort of a rule of thumb in coaching that the problem that presents is never the problem you need to work on. And uh, <laughs> um, so when people come to me with an initial problem, what what I always do first is just start to have a talk with them. And in that talk, usually within uh, a very short time um, – the deeper issues start to reveal themselves. And so we can sort of move towards, move away from the leaves of the plant and start moving towards the roots, uh, just kind of based on where the conversation goes. Okay, I see. So basically, that reminds me of my conversation with with um, someone I previously interviewed. We were talking about fear of actually sharing your, your writings with others and fear of actually, you know, completing the book and putting it out there into the world. And mm -hmm. what we were discussing was that when people say that they don't have enough time or, you know, th that they have writer's block or, you know, all, all these... Uh, officially acceptable excuses uh, there is always something else behind those you know it's it's more about like you know fear of rejection criticism and you know things like that being vulnerable and stuff like that right yes so basically let's talk about that part since we are we're kind of you know most of the people who are listening to us are writers or wannabe writers Let's talk about those groups who are actually, you know, overcoming these psychological barriers of actually, you know, getting the courage to become ready to share their writings. I mean, what would you advise those? Gosh, that is such a uh, just a content rich question. Um, and I, I love it. So let me start by saying I recently wrote my memoirs. So I, I have been through the process and uh, I, I want people listening, especially to your show because it focuses on writing, to understand that I've been through the process of sitting my butt in the chair as often as possible until the work was done. And I think what you said about vulnerability is really just always a piece 
There's always a piece there. And I also like that you said the socially acceptable excuses. I may have paraphrased that there. Um, first, let me say officially, I don't believe in writer's block. Okay. I need the writer. <laughs> okay, good, good. Because I, I, I guess I don't mind bursting bubbles, but writer's block is a cop-out. Yeah. <laughs> you can... Yeah, you have to be willing to write crappy stuff until you get to the good stuff. Or you're, I mean, otherwise you're you're just sort of not really going to uh, ever produce anything worth producing. You know, and, and writer's block tends to be a resistance to writing the crappy stuff first until the good stuff starts coming out. You know, when I sat down to write my book, I went through... Oh, I don't know. I, I guess I wrote about 150 pages in the beginning that were complete garbage, you know. And and the thing that I did was because I read deeply and I read broadly. Um, I, I like great writers, you know, and I can mimic their styles without without too much effort, which is not a good thing if you're trying to write your own work. And so first I wrote something and it sounded like uh, kind of a mix between One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and and like uh, even Cowgirls Get the Blues. It had a very derivative style in it. And then I said, oh, okay, wait a minute, that sounds derivative. And I went back and I wrote something else and it sounded derivative of someone else. And so I did struggle for a little bit when um, when I was in that part of the process. But then as soon as I found my own voice, it's like the floodgates open. So, um, if I'm getting a little off topic here, um, maybe you can sort of rein me back into the original question. No, but it's good. You're, you're kind of bringing up new questions. So go on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so if you're, if you're trying to look, if we're trying to sort of, uh, find where, where, um, coaching and becoming authentic and vulnerable in your writing intersect, I would say that um, it, it's just that, that you have to be willing to just sort of, you know, show yourself flaws and all um, and be vulnerable. And, you know, that's one of the things that is I, – I, it's crucial to the coaching work I do. It's crucial. One of the main things that I, I teach people is – not only is vulnerability not weak, it's strong. And you you release yourself from so much anxiety and so much just negative energy. Uh, and I don't want to talk in, in too sort of hippy-dippy woo-woo of terms because that's really not how I am. But, um, but there is such a thing as the kind of energy that you're working in, you know, and if you're afraid to be vulnerable and if you're afraid of people seeing you for who you are, then you're, you're restricted. You're constantly monitoring yourself. You know, you're, you're not allowed, allowing yourself to just show up in any moment and be yourself. But the paradox is, is that that is when you're the most effective in any given moment is when you can just be yourself. Uh, okay. Yeah. I and see. that, yeah. And that, of course, translates to writing, too, because if we're afraid to show who we really are, we have no business writing. Okay. I see. Well, 
basically, I mean, you, you mentioned a very crucial point, which was uh, finding your own voice. Yes. So uh, can we talk about that? Because many people kind of, you know, spend a lot of time writing and uh, many writing courses actually end up teaching you a certain way of writing and kind yeah, of, you know, yeah. which is why I don't really like especially creative writing courses, especially the ones who who actually teach you how to write because I don't believe that it can be taught. So I, I do believe that this uh, voice of yours has to be found by yourself. And I'm really curious about how it happened with you and how did you manage to find it? Well, that you're, you're, you're asking such good questions. It's like I, <laughs> I have to sit back and, and pick which part I'm going to answer first. <laughs> so in my own case... um. You know, finding my own voice was a process of hacking through my ego, I think. I, I Because like I said earlier, it, it's not too terribly difficult for me to mimic the style of other writers. And, you know, so what I wanted to do because of a combination of fear – fear of what my own voice may be and a fear of not looking good is I wanted to sound like the authors who I like. And so in a sense, I was hiding behind that, right? I really like Tom Robbins. He's a little bit more contemporary than some of the, the other ones who I like, but uh, I really like Tom Robbins. I like the old science fiction writers. Um, and then of course I like the, the classics, you know, like, uh, Tolstoy, Hemingway, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so this is what kept happening initially as, as I sort of let the, the, the noise of the ego and the inner dialogue just sort of try to guide my process. You know, I'm writing like these other writers and I can see it and I'm showing it to people and they're all saying, oh, that's great. That reminds me of, mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there was just a part of me, you know, that was like, if I'm going to do this, and especially if I'm going to write my memoirs, it, it's got to be just as honest as possible, you know, because um, I think that memoir writing is a deep, 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 deep healing process. Um. And I just didn't feel like I could get the healing out of it if I was trying to mimic Hemingway. So, um, you know, we're talking about um, <clears throat> kind of how to get to your authentic voice. Well, the journey for me was looking really hard at the work I had produced prior to what I would call finding my own voice and just being really honest you know, in my case, it was I was aware that I could mimic the, the the writing style of other people. And so I'd look at the work and I just asked myself, is this me or is, does this, you know, does this sound like I'm trying to sort of pay tribute to someone? And And I think that, you know, any of us who have favorite writers, any of us who have uh, other authors who really inspire us, could probably be served by the same question when we're trying to find our own voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Annie, you, you can probably attest to this too. When you find your own voice, do you agree that the feeling, the literal, physical, emotional feeling during the writing process is completely different? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you kind of, you are more self-confident and you're more peace, yes. peaceful mm. and you care yeah. and you care less about the upcoming criticism because you know that what you've written is right for you. So, yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of um, <clears throat> finding my own voice, that was a big one that that sort of allowed me to know that I was on the right track. And uh, yeah, because everything changed in the writing experience. The whole experience changed. The way the chair felt changed. The way my fingers moved across the keyboard changed. My breathing changed. My The adrenaline when you're writing something that's really, you know, sort of uh, jugular to you. Everything, the whole experience was different. And that's when I started to know I was on the right track. Okay, I see. Well, writing a memoir is, um, as you said, that many people hide behind the writing styles of others. Uh, fiction writers also hide behind their characters. So they usually incorporate a lot of themselves in their characters, but they don't really write about themselves because, you know, it's, it's, it requires extra courage. So I guess writing a memoir is... Um, more difficult and more painful and requires more courage than just, you know, hiding behind fictional stories. So how did you end up deciding to write one? And, and you know, what was the main reason to, to kind of, you know, to, to go ahead and drift into this painful process? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted a catharsis. I, that, I mean, that's really what it was. I had lived a life and I, I think that a lot of writers will be able to relate to this. There was a lot in my life that I just wasn't okay with. And now if you want me to, if you'll allow me to sort of give a really quick overview of my life, sure, uh, that would be probably very in enlightening for people. So I was born into a cult. I was exposed to brainwashing, antisocial brainwashing from birth when I was eight years old, that cult moved into the middle of a ghetto and I went for four years, I went through a period of having to fight for my life every day. So from brainwashing from birth, it, uh, brainwashing that focused on not fitting into society to four years of intense violence. And then by the time I was 12, we moved away from the uh, from the ghetto, and I was sort of just shot like a like a cannonball out of a cannon. I mean, by the time I was fourteen, I was fully in the throes of both an alcohol addiction and a drug addiction. Uh, I was having reckless, unprotected sex. By the time my thirteenth birthday in December had come around, I had to go and tell my mother I got a girl pregnant. It was just utter chaos. I mean, I was just completely unchecked. And, you know, it all culminated <clears throat> in, um, before I was 28, right before my 28th birthday with making the decision to get clean, get sober, turn my life around rather than to go hunt down and kill another man, which was at the at that time, I was convinced that was the only way I could save face and do what I thought I had to do in the world I was living in. So I've just given you 28 years in 28 seconds. <laughs> wow. uh, but the the underlying feelings of being lost, 
disconnected, socially unaccepted, out of sync with my purpose. All of these things were just haunted me all my entire life. Even even when I had turned it around from surface, uh, looking at it from the surface, it looked like I had turned my life around. I was still haunted by this stuff and I needed to know. I was just a, sort of a man out of time. You know, I, I I didn't fit in. I couldn't facilitate meaningful relationships with people. I didn't know how to connect. And I started to teach myself those things. That's why my podcast and book is called Lessons from an Unmentored Life. But all the all the personal improvement, all the spiritual discipline, all of the self-help that I had undergone wasn't going deep enough. It just wasn't getting at some fundamental core things. And one day my fiance looked at me and she said, you've got to write your story. And I said to her, but I haven't done anything significant yet. You know, who's going to read the memoirs of someone who hasn't done anything with their lives? And she looked at me and her jaw dropped and she just said, are you kidding me? The fact that you're alive and that you're a good father to your children is a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when it sort of came to me. That's when I just looked at her and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Six months later, the book was done. Okay, so how difficult it was to actually open up and, you know, tell the stories which, first of all, are, I guess, difficult to recall and to relieve before writing them down. And yeah. second, kind of, you know, uh, actually making people know things about you which you might not really want to them to know so I can kind of you know where did you drive that motivation to carry on because I'm sure that it has been a big challenge for you ah uh, well there is a uh, an immutable rule when it comes to change when it comes to personal change that rule is this you will change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing and so I think that in that quote the answer to your question is sort of tucked in there, which was, I didn't care anymore. I just had to change, you know, and I had been working on change for 20 years. Well, I guess 19 years prior to this, you know, and I had made a lot of change. But I could tell, like I just said a little while ago, that there were some deeper things there, deeper things that I wasn't able to address. By the time I sat down to write the book, by the time I got to through the imposter voices and the, and the mimicking other people and I found my own voice, I didn't care anymore. Okay, I see. So basically, yeah. can we tell that writing that book sort of liberated you and, and you know, helped you to, to let things go and leave it behind? I want to say here clearly to anyone who hears this, whether it's now in 2015 or somehow you find this 30 years from now, nothing was more healing than writing that book. In fact, everything else combined was not remotely as healing as writing that book. In fact, I'll do you one better. I am putting together a uh, memoir writing mastermind group now. I don't know when it'll be out. So it's sort of off in the unknown future where we will, uh, me and a couple other people will guide people through the process of writing their own emotional truth into a memoir over the course of a year. 
because it is the deepest level of healing and transformation I have ever found. Okay, well, amazing. I mean, I, I, I know many stories where people kind of, you know, get extremely amazing and strong results after, I mean, during and after writing their books. And uh, it's just, you know, you're pr just proving it once again, that it's a yeah. very powerful thing to do. And um, I guess that brings me to another question. Once you already wrote the memoir, and it's, it's out there, are you planning to write more books? And if yes, what about? Great questions again. So my memoir is, I'm actually in the process of building up a base, which is what we do now, so that I don't have to use a publisher. And so it's not published yet. It's coming out this fall. And yes, I am writing other books. Um, the next one that I'm working on now is called The Tao of the Unbreakable Man. And it's focused less on the, the story of my life and more on the specific teachings, the things that you can take from what I did. You know, the, the ways that I did these things at these crucial times and then found out later that those were the same things that people were teaching. Um, and so I've put it together in more of a sort of a practical companion guide. The memoir is meant to be read hopefully to be enjoyed. It's meant to show people that no matter what you're coming from, you can get to where you want to go. Because I struggled for 35, 38 years, I guess. 38 years I struggled with the same issues. And I think more than anything, it was just through refusing to give up that I finally got to where I got. <clears throat> And so that's one of the messages I want to uh, to really connect with people about is a complete transformation of your life is possible. Not just a 10% or a 20% or you shift focus a little bit. You can have a revolutionary change in your life experience. And you've just got to do the work. Okay, I see. Well, let's <laughs> let's just wrap up with the headline of our today's episode and i know i know it's a large question and it's kind of you know it includes many d long answers but if you if you can be like relatively brief how to become the ultimate self so how to become your ultimate self uh, is the focus of the second book, The Tao of the Unbreakable Man, or woman, by the way. I only used man because I am one and because I like the way it sounds. There is nothing gender specific in the book except sort of the fact that I grew up as a man. <clears throat> so how you do it, uh, to, to put it quickly, will be difficult. But one of the key, um, some of the key pieces are we must learn to not just accept change, but to love change, to embrace change. We must learn that. We must learn the power of vulnerability. We must learn what is called metacognition, where we learn how to think about our own thoughts so that we can begin to analyze and identify destructive patterns. And once we get those things, once and then once we get down to the 
fundamental issues for our own selves that are holding us in place or even just slowing down our progress, then there's a very deliberate, very specific um, set of of tools that anyone can use. They can use them for any problems, but you must identify the problems first. And essentially, what I found is they're so simple that people don't believe they work. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so what happens is because they don't believe that they can work, they don't incorporate them diligently. And so basically what it is, is it's meditation, exercise, visualizations, affirmations, writing of some kind. And if you can do it with a pen and paper, even better. But if you if you want to write on a word processor, that's fine too. But there's something about the uh, psychoneuromuscular connection between mind, eye, pen, and paper that is not mimicked with typing. Mm-hmm. And um, so once you identify the problems, you begin to basically imprint different ideas and beliefs over the imprinting that's there that's holding you back. And so it's it's you could look at it as rewiring and, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be you wouldn't be too far off. But the thing is, is that you have to have courage, consistency and discipline to do it. And that's where people usually fall short without help is they they'll do it for a week or 10 days or two weeks or a month. But you can't undo what's been done over 20 or 30 or 40 years in 20 or 30 or 40 days. Yeah. True. Yeah. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it does. It does. Well, thank you very much for coming over. It was really a pleasure. I really enjoyed our interview. It's it's kind of, you know, it reminded me that I still have a long way to go. Yeah, well, we all do. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I, I, I really hope it, it brought some value to the listeners and now they will kind of, you know, make their first time steps towards change. Yeah, I hope that it brought some value to the listeners too. And, you know, um, anyone who, who is interested can reach out to me directly and, you know, feel free to ask me questions. I am more than happy to to help in any way I possibly can from just answering questions here and there all the way through to the uh to the memoir writing mastermind you know okay so and you, you can you can tell them where where they should find you <laughs> sure sure I don't use twitter much but you can find me at at wolfman67 w o l f e m a n n 67 which is a, a play on my name. You can find me at thesteepside.com. Probably the easiest place, thesteepside.com. You can also find me on Facebook at the steep side. And you can find me on LinkedIn again at the steep side. Okay, great. So, you know, I encourage everyone who is interested in the subject and who is looking forward for your memoir as well to to check it out and then stay tuned until it comes out. Yes, I encourage you to do the same. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, thank you. 
Take care. My pleasure. My pleasure, Annie. Thanks for having me on today. Well, I guess that's all I have for you today. If you enjoy the podcast, please make sure that you spend one minute and review and rate it on iTunes. And of course, subscribe to that because it really, really helps the podcast get better rankings and uh, grow and reach more people, which is really, really important. So thank you in advance for doing that. And I wish you a great weekend and keep writing. 